Church. I'm Pastor Theodore Faison, and we're glad to be with you this morning as we celebrate Jesus on this first Sunday in the merry month of May. We're so grateful um, for this opportunity to greet you, and on behalf of the Living Water Church and Pastor Linda Faison and the elders and the, the congregation, uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Today we're going into the Word of God also as we do our snapshots of Jesus. And this type, this is entitled Two More Sons. We talked about the, the parable of the prodigal son last week in the prior week. And the man had two sons. Well, this is another parable with a gentleman with two sons. And we're going to look at this, we're going to look at this together. After we um, do this lesson, we're going to serve communion. Um, we're going to let you give, give you time. If you want, you could pause um, the video or what you're watching to get your um, juice and bread. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for being our God and our Father. We thank you for hearing our prayer. And we thank you for allowing us this time of worship, this time of study, and this time of fellowship, even during distant learning, distant social distance, rather. We thank you for these things. And Lord, we ask that you speak your word, that we who have ears will hear what the Spirit of God saying unto the churches. Um, touch our ears, teach us to listen. Touch our eyes that we might see Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're coming to you out of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. And we're going to start at verse 23. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, um, starting at verse 23. And it reads, And when he was come, talking about Jesus, into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him, as he was teaching, and said, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? See, once you look at something here, he's teaching. He's actually instructing people in the temple. And the chief priests and the elders, they interrupt him and ask him, What authority are you doing these things? In other words, they're saying, Who do you think you are? Remember, this is the same Jesus that turned over the tables of the money changers because they were cheating the people. And so the chief priests and the elders who couldn't do anything on that at that moment come to him while he's teaching to interrupt them. And that it's a good question, but has bad intentions. It's a good question, but the motives are wrong. You know, and the question of authority is, is legitimate. However, these people's motives were wrong because what they want to do, they want to catch him in a fault. We talked about this before. They want to be able to say something wrong, something he said was wrong. They want to say he went against the law or he denied what Moses said. And so they're looking for an issue with Jesus. And so he, they say, by what authority and who gave it to you? Now, the answer to the question that Jesus is not going to give them is that he got his authority from the Father. He said, I do what the Father does, and I say what the Father says. That's the answer, but they're not going to get the answer. Here's what Jesus is going to do in verse 24. And he said unto them, I will also ask you one thing. Because this is what rabbis do. They, they'll answer a question with another question. I will ask you one thing, which ye will tell me, and I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John 
Whence was it? Or where is it from? Is it from heaven? Or is it from men? And so here's what Jesus is saying. The, what about John? What about his ministry? When he talk about the baptism of John, it's not just talking about him dipping people in the water. We're talking about his ministry, what he preached, what he taught, what he shared with his disciples. You know, the, the call to repentance, the, um, the announcement that the kingdom of God is at hand, the idea that John was a forerunner to Christ. And so Jesus said, what about John? What about John the Baptist? And they have to reason among themselves. And look what it says here. It says here that, that um, and they reason among themselves saying, if we say he's from heaven, he's going to say, why didn't we believe him? And if we say he's from men, the folk are going to be upset. See, in the Gospel of Luke, it says, they said that if we say it's from men, the people will stone us. So the chief priests and the elders who were the religious leaders, and actually the political leaders at the time too, they were afraid of the multitude, right? They understood that John was a prophet, even though they tried to deny it. And the people knew that John was a prophet. He was a man of God. So they couldn't say that he was from heaven because they didn't believe him. And they couldn't say he was from men because the people would revolt against them. And so here's how they answer. Why? Okay, in verse 25. But if we say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. And now Jesus goes into this parable about the man with two sons. And he says, by, and he asked him, what do you think about this? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And the son answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented, he changed his mind, and he went. He came to the second son and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, but went not. Which of these two did the will of the Father? And they said unto him, the first. Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. So Jesus said that the, the publicans and the harlots, remember, these two groups of people. You've got the religious leaders, and you've got the quote-unquote sinners, okay? And the religious leaders are those who are supposed to carry out the will of uh, the word and teach what Moses taught and, and, you know, be examples of the law and things like that. And then you've got these folks. Um, the publicans were the tax collectors, which are hated, okay? And the harlots. So you've got the publicans and the harlots, or you got the religious folk, and you got the sinner folk, okay? And Jesus said, these sinners are going to go into the kingdom of heaven before you religious people. And he tells them why. For John, verse 32, came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye seen it, repented not afterwards, that ye might believe him. So here's what we're saying. It's all about faith, y'all. We said it before, okay? Um, the harlots, the publicans, the rank sinners, and the people that we might despise, the drug dealers and these folks, you know? 
when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. But the folk who grew up in church, who do not believe, the, the good citizens who do not receive Jesus by faith, um, those nice people that you know that follow the rules and keep the laws and um, drive the speed limit and all those good things, but they don't believe in Jesus, they will not go into the kingdom. So what separates people? Faith in Jesus Christ. Now, see, you got these two sons. Let's go back to the two sons, okay? Um, the first son said no, but then he repented. Repent means to change your mind and turn around, okay? The first son represents the sinners, the, the publicans, the harlots, the prostitutes, the, um, the junkies, the whores, the thieves, the cheaters, the liars, the, you know, the murderers, all that, whatever group. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right? And so when, when no matter what the sin is, no matter what the deed is, no matter what the record, no matter what is done or was left out, when a man or a woman or a child comes to faith in Jesus Christ, when they repent, well, that's changing your mind and turning around. When that man, woman, child repent, that man, woman, child receives Jesus, receives his salvation, receives all the benefit of salvation, becomes a son of God. That man, that woman, that child receives an inheritance with the Lord, and he or she is, is fit for heaven, despite their background, despite their deeds, despite whatever they went through. Because there's nothing you could do. There's no work you could do. There's no way you can earn the salvation. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You can't buy it. There's no way you can get it except for through faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace are we saved through faith. Remember that? So that's the only way. That's the only way. But then you got folks who think, well, if I do enough good works, I should be okay. If I behave myself in a certain way, I should be okay. Now, we all should be behave ourselves, of course. Yeah, 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 okay. All right, if I, if, I, if I give this, I should be okay. If I give that, and there are people who think they deserve to go into heaven with the Lord because of the way they conducted themselves. But it's not about that. As much as we want everybody to behave ourselves and be law-abiding you know, law citizens and, and you know, do the church things and stuff like that, it's only by faith in Jesus Christ can a man, a woman, a child be saved. That's the only way. The only way. I grew up in church, and, and I, you know, I'm a pew baby. My parents were in ministry, and so I grew up in church because I had to go, like some of you have to go, right? And so what happens is that uh, I was there doing all the things that we do in church, the Sunday school and the offerings and everything and stuff, but it wasn't until the age of 17, which I'm thankful to God that he got me at a young, nice young age, it wasn't until the age of 17 that I realized I need to be saved. Because church is not enough, okay? Religion is not enough. There are some folks having a fit right now because they can't attend their services, okay? Because they're dependent on their religion instead of being dependent on their savior. 
okay? And they can't, they can't attend their services. There are folks, not just Christian people, but I mean, you know, we, we have folks who can't go, to, can't go to the temple, can't go to mosque, can't go to their meetings and things like that. And, cost, and they're dependent on these meetings and these things, but what we need to be dependent on is Jesus, our faith in Jesus Christ. Remember what he told the woman at the well. He said, you know, today's the day that the fathers look for true worshipers, those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, those who are going to worship him spiritually and truthfully. He said, it doesn't matter if you go to the temple in Jerusalem or you worship on this mountain. You have to worship the Father spiritually. In other words, it's not the location, it's not the time, it's not the calendar. None of these things are that important. What's important is whom you worship and how you go about that. So look at this again. So we got these folks, the religious folk, and we, we want to, don't be like these men. Don't be like the chief priests and the elders. Don't be like those folks. Don't be like the people who think they're better than someone else. You may be in a better position. You might even be better off. But you know better. We are no better because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need salvation. We all have to come to a place of repentance. We all have to depend on Jesus for his mercy and his grace to save us and make us better. We are all in that way. We all depend on him. Okay? So don't be, because you are a good member, a good standing member of your church, that you think you're so much better. You're not. But you have been awarded, afforded rather, the grace of God. Okay? And that's what matters. We, by, we are here because we believe in Jesus. We are saved because we believe in Jesus. And there's no other reason why you're saved. Because you have faith in Jesus Christ. He's done all the work for your salvation. He's done all the work. And you and I have not done a thing to achieve the benefits and the privileges that we have today. But if you don't have these privileges, you can have it just for the asking. When Jesus said to the religious leaders that the publicans and the harlots go in before you because they believe, that's the criteria. That's the, that's the requirement. What must I do to be saved? I have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That's what I have to do. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died for your sins and my sins. He was risen again on the third day, right? And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, faith in Jesus is enough for salvation. It's more than enough. And Jesus has enough power and grace to save everybody and anybody who comes to him. We've said it before. Come to Jesus where you are. Come to Jesus, right? Don't try to get, make yourself ready to come to him. Don't try to clean stuff up first. Come to him with whatever you have. The way you are, come to him, okay? And he will take you the way you are, and he'll work with you. Salvation is prepaid by Jesus. We like to say it's free, but it's actually prepaid. And it's an expensive pay expensive cost too but he paid for it and so when you come to Jesus he has everything you need to make you ready and to save your very soul 
All right? So, Jesus rebukes the, um, the religious leaders. He says, listen, you guys had a chance. You were here first. You had a chance. You heard John, and you didn't believe him. And then when the people of the street and the sinners, and when they started believing him, you still did not repent. You had an opportunity to be a Christian. Well, they didn't call Christians at the time, but you know what I mean. So you had an opportunity to believe and to trust God. And they refused. And so the publicans, the sinners, the junkies, the whores, the thieves, the liars, the cheaters, the whatever, 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 right? All have sinned. Sinners are going to go in before religious folk who don't believe. Okay? Imagine. Imagine doing a thing all your life, committing to a practice, committing to a way of living, thinking that the way you carry yourself is going to be enough, and then getting to that spot, that day of judgment, and find out that you were wrong. What a horrible event that would be. You know? I can't imagine. I can't imagine that disappointment. But you know what's going to happen? That when they get to the day of judgment, they're going to realize that they did not come to faith in Jesus. They thought it was on their own. That's what religion does for you. Religion is deceptive, y'all. Yeah, I said it. It's deceptive. Because people do religious things thinking that they are qualified. And your religious acts do not qualify you for, for um, heaven does not qualify you for right standing with God. The only thing that qualifies you for right standing with God is faith in Jesus Christ and dependency on him. That's the only thing that qualifies us. That's all. All right? Now, we expect, we expect everybody to behave themselves and be good citizens and things like that. I said it before. But the only qualification that you have is your faith in Jesus. And he'll give you the faith to believe it. He'll help you. Amen? Amen. So... We want to caution everybody, please, church folk who are living saved and, and doing things, um, don't judge the folks, don't judge the um, people who have not come to faith yet. Don't judge them. And don't think that your actions are what's going to get you in. Okay? We're going to um, pray, and then we're going to serve communion. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you because you allowed us this time of fellowship and you allowed us this word. And we pray, Father, for the hearers of your word today that if there's a man, woman, or a child that does not know you by faith, that they will come to you today, Lord, as they just say, Jesus, come into my life and save my soul. Lord, and we know that you will do it because they receive you by faith, Father. In the name of Jesus, we are so grateful. We pray, Father, today for those who are suffering um, from illness, especially concerning COVID-19. We pray for their deliverance and healing today. We pray for their family members, for their encouragement and peace. And we ask that you bring this thing to a close for us, Father, speedily. And we're grateful for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. At this time, we're going to um, go ahead and have communion. If you was here with us today, um, the deacons will come around and serve you.
Um, so wherever you are, um, you could just take um, your, your juice and your bread. You know, if you need to pause the video at this time to get that, you could do that. But either way, you know, we want to honor the Lord through um, this sacrament. Amen. It's not the sacrament that saves, I'll say it again. But it's a way of us, it's a way for us to, rec to remember um, the things that Jesus has done. And we do it in honor and in celebration. We take the bread and we take the juice. And um, the bread represents his body. And the fruit of the vine represents his blood. Okay? So we're going to take this together. And Jesus took the bread, he broke it. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as we do this, we do it in Jesus' name. Remember the things that he suffered. He suffered great torment and depravity and, and, and torture and horrible treatment all the way to the cross. He was accused of things he wasn't guilty of. And he suffered quietly, according to Isaiah 53. Let's take it together and eat it in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we thank you for the, the sufferings of Christ. We understand that um, he suffered on our behalf. He took on all our punishment. You know, and we thank you, Lord. That, that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and he took all these things willingly for our salvation, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. After the same manner, he took the cup and said, this is the New Testament in my blood, and it represents, it represents the blood of Christ. Remember, the scriptures say, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And sin requires death. Sin requires, um, it requires death. There's no way out of it. So what Jesus has done, he has allowed his death to substitute for our punishment. So because he died for our sins, because he shed his blood, you and I don't have to. And in fact, I believe even if I was to shed my blood for my sin, it wouldn't be enough to redeem me. Because Jesus had to be the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for sin. And so the rest of us could have his sin, I mean, have his life applied to our sins. So we're going to take this and drink it together in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for his life. We thank you for him giving his life for us at Calvary. And we are so grateful, Lord, for all that you have done through Jesus Christ for our salvation and our fellowship with you. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We thank you um, for spending this time with us. We pray that you stay safe, that you be mindful of what the CDC recommends, and we, that you keep praying for those around you and look out for each other. 
God bless you. Thank you so much. My name is Ted Faison, and this is the Living Word of Church, and we're grateful for you spending time with us. God bless you. Thank you so much. Good night.